Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the First and Ten Podcast right here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Your host, of course, myself, Dave Sercio, along with two of the primo writers of bloggingtheboys.com, Aiden Davis, Tony Catalina. And today we are joined. It is the offseason. We got to start breaking down. Obviously, you know, we tried to leave last year in the rearview mirror. Uh, but that we got to we got to talk about it still, right? We we can't let that rest too too easily. Uh, but obviously, we have an off season to prep for. Today's special guest is obviously Dallas Cowboys TV host, pregame, postgame, talking Cowboys, the draft show, Mister Do It All himself, Mister Kyle Humans. What's going on, brother? Nothing much. Happy to be on with you guys. And like you said, it, it, it's a season that Cowboys fans were very. Uh, quick to want to throw into the rearview mirror, but it's also one that you want to learn from at the same time, both as a fan base and as a team. I think there's a lot of learning to be done. So I'm right there with you. I think it has to be talked about. It has to be addressed, and we're going to do it here over the next couple minutes. Yeah, man. So I'll start by that. I mean, like, look, the 2021 season ends abruptly. Nobody really saw it coming, but then, like, if you really take a deep dive into the Cowboys fan base, a lot of people kind of saw it coming. You know, it was, like, very 50-50, like, too good to be true moments. What's the pulse, uh, your reaction, really, of the 2021-2020, I guess you can say I'm 2022 Cowboys being in that they actually did play in some January football. Uh, but overall, what's your your reaction to this season as a whole besides the whole disappointment? Yeah, I think it was a missed opportunity. And that's the biggest thing about it is the fact that you really felt like this season, it had an opportunity to be different. It really felt like a team that was healthy, that was talented enough to, to be up there in that upper echelon of some of the teams in the league. And it also felt like a league that was wide open. I mean, you didn't have the the usual dominance from uh, from certain teams. Yeah, the, the Packers were the top seed. Yeah, Tom Brady was still certainly in the league and, and playing at a high level. But you still got the sense that it wasn't necessarily a cut and dry postseason. And as we saw from the, re- the rest of the playoffs, finally – uh, showing that it is a wide open postseason and the Cowboys feel like they missed out on that. And I think that's really been the reaction from not only the fan base, but from the locker room, from the coaching staff, and especially from the front office. I mean, you've seen over the last couple of weeks, some of the discontent between the front office and the coaching staff and some of the frustration, I think, building up to what was the ultimate letdown by losing to the 49ers the way that they did in the wild card round. So I think it, it, yeah, disappointing is the buzzword. That's always going to be the the number one word in describing the 2021 season because you did feel like it was different. And in the end, it ended up just being an opportunity that flew out the window a lot earlier than you expected it to. Kyle, I think disappointing is the perfect word to use for this season. Like, I don't know if you can describe it better than that, but is there 
a season that where I felt like everything was going right. The offense was clicking. The defense seemed to have life under Dan Quinn. Even the coaching felt great through the first six weeks. What disappointed you the most when you watched that second half of the season after the bye? Was it leadership or was it more an individual player's play? Uh, I think it was a little bit of of everything. And I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but kind of going back to to what I was saying in terms of an opportunity being lost, uh, you had it all put together. Prior to the bye week, you felt like you were a a team that could run and beat anybody in the NFL. And even with that being said, the back half of the regular season really showed you why you were bounced out of the playoffs. It gave you a roadmap. It gave the NFL a blueprint on how to beat the Dallas Cowboys. They're the most penalized team in the league. They're a team that certainly can't stand up on the offensive line the same way that they did previously uh, through some of the regimes with Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith. They just weren't healthy up front. And, of course, Dak Prescott, I think he was even affected by some of the the roadblocks and some of the obstacles that he went through in terms of injuries throughout the season as well. But I think it does. I think whenever it is a combination of a little bit of everything, it does point back to the top. You have to start with the coaching staff and, and the way that uh, even Mike McCarthy, he admitted it following the loss to San Francisco, saying that his team wasn't – he saw something was different. Something was off going into that game. Well, you're the head coach. You've got to find a way – to make sure that if your team is in a playoff position, a home field advantage, a favored team as the number three seed in the NFC, that you got to be ready to play. And they weren't. They came out flat, slow starts. That was another thing that continued on throughout the back half of the regular season. I think that relies on the coaching staff. So I, I think it is a trickle-down effect. And in, 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 to answer your question in a broad, round, roundabout sort of way, I think it starts at the top, but it certainly does trickle down because there were leaders on that team that didn't get the job done as well. And it was a combination of a number of different things. You know, Kyle, uh, you know, we're sitting here dissecting the 2021 season. And when we're sitting here going through the year, I think a lot of us felt, hey, there's a chance that we could lose Kellen Moore. We could lose Dan Quinn. There's a real possibility that neither one of them will be back here. I know I was surprised. How surprised were you to see not only for Dan Quinn to come back and get another run for this defense, but to see Kellen Moore back as well? I was pretty shocked. Uh, I thought at least Dan Quinn would have left. Of course, if you would have asked me in week seven of the season, I would have thought neither one of them would have been back in a part of this coaching staff heading into 22. But uh, I wasn't surprised Kellen Moore ultimately didn't get a coaching job. He was close, of course, with that Miami gig, was down to the final two guys there, ended up being the runner-up for that job. Um, But with Dan Quinn coming back, that is a huge, huge keep for the Cowboys. We mentioned it last offseason. I was doing podcasts like this, and we were talking about it on the draft show on on DallasCowboys.com, saying that Dan Quinn was the biggest acquisition of the offseason. Now, by the end of everything, Micah Parsons ended up making a run for the money, but Micah Parsons probably wasn't Micah Parsons without Dan Quinn. So I think you could argue that he was last year's best acquisition and this year's best retainment. The fact that he is back as the defensive coordinator, he brings a level of of continuity and comfort level with that defense. It may uh, keep a couple guys around. Look at a Jaron Curse, for instance, as a guy who was most likely going to leave in free agency and either go get a paycheck, which he certainly earned, this past season or go follow Dan Quinn who put him in the best situation to earn that paycheck 
Now he has a chance to potentially come back here in a place where he's comfortable, place where he really does like to play and er, uh, certainly try and, and continue to build upon what was a great turnaround on the defensive side of the football last year. Piggybacking off of uh, Tony's question about Kellen Moore, the fact mm-hmm. that Kellen Moore has now done a couple rounds of this head coaching stuff, right? And he's been a finalist and he's just like, you know, he's always a bridesmaid, not a bride, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that kind of cliche. Um, when you look at Kellen Moore right now, does that give you confidence in the fact that he's just kind of like coming back by default? You know, it's because he didn't get a job. He's coming back. We've already heard Mike McCarthy kind of allude to, you know, Dan Quinn saying like, look, I can take one of these jobs, but I'll stick around if you want me. And of course, Mike McCarthy said, you know, 10 years ago, he would have said, take a walk. But now he's like, no, 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 come back. We're going to win. Right. We're going to win with each other. Kellen Moore, there's a different feel to that one. I feel like he's kind of coming back with his tail tucked. How do you feel about Moore coming back in 22? Yeah, I think there's room to grow is probably the best way to think of of Kellen Moore coming back. And and you saw that in the back half of the season when he was so creative and everything was flowing, everything was working throughout the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season. You you felt like he had finally taken that next step as an offensive coordinator. And, and it turns out he was close to doing so. He had the the points and he had the numbers by the time the season came to an end. He had the top offense in the NFL But I think a lot of teams around the league looked at the last half of the season and especially in the playoff game when he was severely outcoached. And I think there was there were signs that he's close, but he's just not there yet. He needs that extra level of learning um, and maybe a couple of seasons to help that out as well. He's only 33 years old. I I still think it's a matter of of when maybe not so much if he becomes a head coach in the NFL. I think he will at some point have a team of his own. But right now. Uh, I think the entire NFL looks at him as a as a potential guy, but not the guy. And and if you're, of course, going to hand the keys to an NFL organization and say, you are the man, you have to be the guy on the top of their list. And right now he's just one of those individuals that's in the running. Maybe this is the, the year that really makes it or breaks it for Kellen Moore, because at least in the back half of the season, there was disappointment around Cowboys Nation in the way that he ran that offense when things de- didn't necessarily go well. Look at the other high-end, young head coaching talent in the NFL. Sean McVay, for instance, won a Super Bowl without some of his best targets, without some of his best players on the team. San Francisco beat you with Kyle Shanahan's offense without some of their best offensive players on the field as well. Even though the Cowboys had a couple guys out, Michael Gallup here, Amari Cooper banged up there, Dak Prescott, of course, banged up for a little bit as well. you still felt like the Cowboys were relatively healthy. And then, of course, in the end, they weren't able to get it done. Kellen Moore has to figure out a way, regardless of health or not, to have success on offense and to keep that consistency moving forward, I think, if an NFL team's ultimately going to give them a head coaching job. Yeah, so you're putting 2022 behind you. And, uh, I mean, well, 2021 behind you. Mm -hmm. And before we get to Aiden and and, and Tony, I I do have a question about this offseason. Now that we're here, and now that, you know, the, the dust is kind of settled and, you know, the scars, I mean, the, the wound is kind of closing up right now. And you're just like, all right, you know, just disappointed. Is it, is just, it really? I mean, not really. I'm trying to be nice. It still hurts a little bit. <laughs> it's still, it, look, there, there's going to be spring football coming up with like the CFL, whatever's coming up, USFL, whatever it's called. Um, Are you but, cheering for the Philadelphia Stars? I don't think so. I don't think no, any of the no, USFL is helping with any of this. I'm a Jersey Generals <laughs> type guy, I think. I'm going to go with the Jersey Generals. But in, in any event, the Dallas Cowboys obviously have a lot of work to do, and it starts internal. Do you think 
that the Dallas Cowboys can be more aggressive this offseason. I know their cap situation is kind of, eh, you know, it's not not a great situation to be in with all the restructuring that is rumored to go around. We don't know what's going to happen. But do you think the Dallas Cowboys take the Rams recipe a little bit and say, look, you know, if there's a guy out there that we know that can put this team over the top, both sides of the ball, offense or defense, do you think the Cowboys make a play this year? I mean, it's been years since like any talent, you know, any Dallas Cowboys fans or members of the media can get excited about the free agency period because we know we like the guys we have. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that, that seems to be the quote going around. So do you think this year in different because of the way the Rams, the, the recipe the Rams had that will uh, will change it up a little bit this year? Yeah, I think there's an opportunity for that. And and I think you answered your question a little bit, at least in the way that I look at it, because they are so cap heavy. I mean, $21 million over the cap at the moment. Certainly that cap will rise, but you have to make decisions prior to knowing what that cap number will be heading into this next free agency market. So $21 million is is the big number at the moment where you are over the top, you are in the red. So if you wanted to try and have an offseason like that, where you were aggressive and maybe you did make moves and you went and grabbed guys either out of free agency or you plucked them from other teams, that's where you start talking about cutting good players. I mean, Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, two guys that if you cut them, certainly you're under the cap mark, but then you're out of two good guys that you like in your locker room, two players that certainly make an impact on each side of their football uh, I, I don't know if I'm at least in that category, uh, but if that's the, the way that Cowboys Nation wants them to go or if that's the way the front office wants to go, <clears throat> certainly that's one way to do it. If they wanted to be aggressive and they wanted to hit the open market and really shake things up, it starts with clearing space in the cap and trying to open up possibilities. And Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence with their cap situation, their contract situation, where there is that out this offseason uh, it would be Amari Cooper post June one. It would be Demarcus Lawrence pre June one, uh, where that money would most likely be saved. But that's kind of where you need to make that money happen. And I don't know if the, I necessarily see that happening prior to what would be what was that March fourteenth, where the negotiations can start. So I think it's going to be a tough off season to see that aggressiveness and to try and take the Rams approach. Uh, I think the Cowboys are more likely to try and, and clear up cap space by restructuring deals, trying to keep these guys around to make sure they have a, a core foundation of guys that they can move into the offseason with. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So as we're talking about personnel for next year, obviously you do a great job on the draft on the draft show. We all, I think, all of us really enjoy hearing your input on that. So appreciate it. So, if, I see another, if I see another mock draft outside of Kyle, I, I don't want to really. Read it. I've, <laughs> I've got a couple coming up already. I'm like, geez, way. Yeah. I'm sure Broadus will probably shoot it down at some point. I'm kind of <laughs> taking the heat from Broadus early on. I'm the young buck on the show. So yeah. uh, I've got to make sure and have my, my research set and done. So actually speaking about mock drafts, it seems like everybody's taking the Cowboys with alignment in the first round. At pick 24, mm -hmm. it's, some type of alignment seems to be slotted in to the Cowboys. My question is, is 
we've seen success the Cowboys drafting linemen in the first round. Obviously, you throw Fredericks, Martin, Tyron mm-hmm. Smith. But in the second round, there have there hasn't second and third round, those day two picks, there hasn't been as much success. I mean, we have Andre Giroud to point to, but yeah. outside of that, I mean you're looking at there's been six linemen that have been drafted in day two or six more dra- linemen drafted day two compared to day one. And you're looking at 15 less pro bowls and eight less all pros. So my question, is it kind of an all or nothing thing where we have to see that lineman drafted in the second round? Or do you think there is value in day two that the Cowboys could take this year? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Cause I, I think that's the decision they're going to have to make. There's probably going to be, and there's a reason why those mock drafts certainly have linemen slotted in at the Cowboys at 24 uh, there are guys that are going to be right around that, that area. Kenyon Green is one from Texas A&M. He played every position on the offensive line in the SEC, can bump out the tackle. He has that position flex, but mostly he's a guy who's going to come in and play guard. He would be your left guard. Tyler Biotish would remain at center, and then you'd have, of course, Lyle Collins, Terrence Steele at the right guard spot. One of those guys would probably take over for Tyron Smith later on. But uh, – it's also with Tyler Linderbaum that's up there. There are names that could potentially fall to 24, but then there's kind of a steep drop-off. And it goes to what you're talking about. Usually that second, third round class of guys is not going to be as strong offensive line-wise just because, one, they're so rare coming out of uh, of college football. And, two, it's usually pretty easy to see who's going to make an impact. I say pretty because nobody's perfect in terms of scouting these offensive linemen. But if you're standing four feet away from a, a, a dartboard and you've got one dart to throw, you're probably more likely to hit the bullseye than if you were 20 feet away and you were throwing at the same dartboard. You, you have an opportunity early on to take your pick of the best guys of that position. And if you feel like the number one need for your offense lines up with the guys that, of course, are available, like a Kenyon Green out of AM, like a Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa – then I think the Cowboys would take that chance. Now, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that best player available comes back into play, much like it has the last two drafts along the way. C.D. Lamb was certainly not a number one need. Wide receiver was not a number one need, but he was there at pick 17 in 2020, and so they pulled the trigger. Last year, Micah Parsons, of course, linebacker was kind of a need. It was a little bit more so of a need than wide receiver, but you could have argued that Rashawn Slater Uh, out of Northwestern was going to be a guy that you needed there too. So there was that back and forth. They pulled the trigger on Parsons because they thought he was the better player that fit their scheme. This year, there's guys like that. N'Kobe Dean, a linebacker. Uh, You've got some of these corners that could potentially fall. Maybe a safety at that spot. Now, I I say safety kind of tongue-in-cheek because they've never taken a safety inside the top two rounds, at least back until like 2002, I believe, was the last time they did it. So – There's just these different positions that could be available. I think it's most likely that it would be offensive line. But like you said, I I think if you don't take one in the first round, you're going to have trouble finding somebody to come in, plug in as a starter immediately on that offensive line. You know, Kyle, you always hear about Dan Quinn getting his guys. And, you know, thinking about the mold that he likes, especially in the back end with, you know, tall, lanky with some athleticism. So do you think, I mean, obviously the Cowboys are going to kind of keep that that narrative and that situation going this year. But do you personally think the way the draft is and, you know, there's a lot more um, 
bust than there is boom in the draft. And uh, do yeah. you think that's a good draft strategy? Because we saw a real opportunity where Dan Quinn was going to be one and done in here. And if it's not his guys and they don't know how to work with those ingredients, you, you, you find yourself in a position where somebody might get lost in the shuffle. Do you see kind of them doing that this year? And how does that shake out moving forward? Oh, man, that is the age-old question of draft day in Dallas. It is the scouts versus the coaches. Who gets in the head of the front office the most? And Will McClay has done a great job over the last couple of years. I mean, as much as the Cowboys have given the front office the, the flack that they have because of the lack of success in playoffs, you can't deny how good they've been at hitting these early-round draft picks. Now, last year wasn't necessarily – a draft that you can really rely on. You want Kelvin Joseph as the second round pick to maybe take that step. Also, Adigizua was there, but then Chauncey Golston, Nation Wright were both guys that Dan Quinn wanted, right? Those were two Dan Quinn picks in the third round. And whether it was injuries or just skill level at the moment as a rookie, they didn't make a ton of impact. So you're hoping that those guys take a step up, but it is it's it's an interesting concept because Will McClay, at least at the moment, isn't going anywhere. Whereas Dan Quinn. Uh, he, he's lucky to be back for 2022. Where is he going to be in 2023? There's a great chance he's a head coach again in the NFL. So how much input are these coaches going to have? And of course, we've already seen some of the grenades being tossed back and forth between Mike McCarthy and the Jones family over the last couple of weeks. How much, uh, how much impact is he going to have when draft day comes around? So I, I think at least from an organizational standpoint, and this is my pure opinion, not necessarily based on any fact out there, but just, Based off of what I've seen, I think it's better if Will McClay really kind of takes the helm as, uh, as the guy who is the, the lead voice in the room outside of the Jones family to where he could certainly have or the coaches could certainly have opinions. But Will McClay needs to be kind of that final vetting process of, OK, this is going to be something that works and this doesn't because he has a great idea of what the coaching staff wants and what the front office is going to be looking at in the future as well. He needs to be that bridge in between, and so far he's done a great job of doing so. Now, the offseason, we've been talking about free agency. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about all these things about adding new, adding new, adding new. What about the guys that are on the team right now mm. that we know they're going to be there next year? Kyle, I need your, your dead honest opinion of how <laughs> far you think a guy named Dak Prescott can take this team. Has Have you lost any confidence in number four? based off of what has happened. I understand the calf injury and the foot injury and the shoulder mm -hmm. and all the stuff that he's dealt with. And, and I kind of go back all the way to, to, um, to, to hard knocks, you know, the cameras sure. are in his face and, and everything. That's just like dis distractions one Oh one. Right. Yeah. And I feel like going into next season, he gets to rest. He, you know, he declined to play in the pro bowl. He wants to just kind of take a beat and hang out with his, 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 his family and his friends and his, you know, play football in his backyard, you know, whatever, whatever he chooses to do. He's going to do it. But do you feel like Dak Prescott is still the guy in Dallas that's going to get this team over the top? So I've got an interesting opinion on this, and I feel like I'm I'm one of the few kind of in this this category. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think with with Dak Prescott, uh, I think 2021 wasn't necessarily a year where he could have taken this team to the promised land. And I think the injuries, like you said, going all the way back to the opening scene of hard knocks, you're looking at the scar, you're really seeing how much he went through, not only this past year, but throughout the last couple of years with these injuries and then the cat, the shoulder, then the calf. And then it kind of just compounded upon each other. By the time the season came to an end, Dak didn't look like Dak. 
And, and everybody saw it. He wasn't able to run with the same kind of mobility. He didn't have that same confidence level, at least in stepping up into the pocket, because there was interior pressure because of the struggles of the offensive line. But when there was that interior pressure, where could he go? Because there was nowhere to go because of the right. mobility issues. I don't think that's something that is permanent. I think it's a temporary setback for Dak that did affect him. He got back quickly. He pushed through the calf injury. It wasn't like he was going to re-injure it or it was affecting him to a point where he necessarily was a lesser of a quarterback, but he just wasn't able to open things up the way that he had in previous offensive sets. I think he can do that in the future. I have no worries about Dak Prescott here over the next three years of his contract and, of course, through the the remainder of his career. I still think he's a guy that this team can rely on, this team can believe in, and this team can rally around to get to the ultimate level that this team has been uh, uh, looking at to reach. It kind of goes back to to some of the other guys right now that you're really talking about. Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, they've been in those positions before where maybe it wasn't their year or maybe they had been dealing with those injuries and something of the sort throughout, but finally things came together and of course, whenever the Cowboys are bounced out of the playoffs, they they point at what just happened and the teams that are having success. And they're saying, why can't we have that? Well, you got to think about the years that led up to that. Joe Burrow, sure. He had the, the injury and then he was immediately in the Super Bowl the year after. He's a special case. He is the exception, not the rule. Look at Matthew Stafford in the career that he suffered through in Detroit. And then finally him having an opportunity with the players around him to do what he did and showing that toughness along the way. I think Dak Prescott showed that toughness this year. Now he's got to get back to the point where he's a a mobile quarterback because the read option plays a huge factor. The play action plays a a huge factor. And he didn't have those things because of the injury this season. I think if he's able to have an entire offseason to work through that, I think it's something he's going to put behind him. And then all of a sudden he's going to be the Dak that we've seen over the last couple of years. Speaking of, uh, you know, some players that been here came in at the same time as Dak did. Uh, I want to touch in a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott. I think him and the Tony Pollard mix of one and two and how they're going to kind of um, divvy up reps. I just I want to see your take on it. You know, Ezekiel Elliott fought through what we knew to be an injury that was um, a tough one that he went through. And yeah. you saw how he came out fresh and, you know, it looked like he was on a revenge tour early in the season and ended up having, you know, obviously knee issues that kind of derailed it a little bit. Where do you stand on Ezekiel Elliott in this team? And, you know, as far as the future goes, you know, the finances, financials are what they are, but where yeah. do you see Ezekiel Elliott uh, moving forward for the Cowboys? Well, I think it depends on this year. I mean, this upcoming season is going to be huge for Zeke because, it's not just the one season. Yeah, he had the 1,000 yards. It took him until the final game to get to that point, but he did have the injury this year. But then there was last year where he was in in, in the triple digits, didn't get to 1,000 yards. Even back in 2019, there were signs of him not being the same type of back that he was in the early parts of his career. And maybe it's just the the way that the the cycle goes from the running back position. But there's a potential out at the end of his 2023 contract. So I think if he's going to be uh, a Cowboy, at least throughout the the remainder of the deal that he did sign prior to the 2020 season, then uh, or 2019 season rather, then I think he needs to have another Zeke-esque type of year. But you can't force that. And you mentioned Tony Pollard and some of the the go-to, the divvying up of reps that they had. I mean – Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, Ezekiel Elliott had more carries throughout the season, but I think if Tony Pollard would have remained healthy 
all the way through as well. I think it would have been a lot more even than it was even in past years. I still don't think you're going to see Tony Pollard maybe take over that number one tailback role just yet based off of the fact that Zeke still does so many things for you in pass protection and, of course, out of the backfield as a receiver. But I think Tony Pollard has earned the the 1A, 1B role now in this offense, at least as a tailback. He's not a number two back. He's that 1B back as a guy who is going to be in those pass sets, who is going to be uh, a first, second down guy if you really need him to, to gain some yardage early on. And you saw that in the middle of the season. I mean, that New Orleans game where he actually did get hurt with the plantar fasciitis, I think that was certainly a game that stuck out to me for him to where he took over as a guy who could be that number one tailback if they needed him to be. I just don't think with the current situation at hand that he will be that number one back. But if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't show that he has far cut and dry above Tony Pollard this year, there's going to be some interesting conversations heading into next offseason. I, just to put a bow on the offense, the Cowboys for, I guess, two years now, we've kind of been proclaiming that the Cowboys have one of the best receiving cores in the league there. You got Cooper, you got Lamb, obviously. Mm-hmm. You've Gallup. So I think the question now is, Gallup's going to be a free agent. We know Cedric Wilson's a free agent. Now there's rumblings of Amari Cooper potentially being cut to save space. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. I want to, what's your take if you had to give a way too early prediction on the starting three receivers for the Cowboys next year? What do you think, including tight end? And how do you see them? Because they're going to at least have to add one receiver. How do you think they're going to, how do you think they're going to find that number three receiver? Or is it just Malik Turner? He didn't sign oh up my. for this. He didn't sign up for this at all. Yeah, I did not on. sign up for that. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Um, can I give you two answers? Can sure I give can. you the, the Amari Cooper answer and then the not Amari Cooper answer? You make the, the rules. Here. I, I really think it's 50-50, uh, at least based off the conversations that I've had and, and wow. some of the things that I'm hearing around the building. I, I think there's an opportunity for him to leave, but I also don't think it's just cut and dry. That's what's happening based off the fact that he is such a good player and he does bring so many different things to that offense. Um, so I don't think it's it's a cut and dry thing that, that Amari Cooper is not here this next season. But if he is here, it'll be him. I think it'll be CeeDee Lamb. And then I think it'll be a second or third round receiver because they're not going to be able to cat, keep Michael Gallup at that point, most likely. They're probably not going to try and get – uh, a, a Dalton Schultz back or a Cedric Wilson back, maybe Cedric Wilson, depending on, but he's earned, certainly earned a paycheck elsewhere for a team that really could open the uh, the pocketbook up and pay him a little bit. I think Dalton Schultz, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup are all gone. If you keep Amari Cooper, I think Blake Jarwin would then take over and be your full-time tight end. And you would probably try and take a guy maybe in the fourth or fifth round to try and fill that secondary role or that's one of those free agent guys that you can bring in, kind of like how they did with Blake Bell a couple years ago. Maybe you bring in a blocking tight end who's established in the NFL and kind of try and get Blake Jarwin back to that receiving ability that he showed prior to signing his three-year deal. So that's the Amari Cooper route. If Amari Cooper's not there, I think all three guys come back. I think Michael Gallup's back. I think Cedric Wilson's back and Dalton Schultz are all a part of this team moving into the year just because of the amount of cap space that it would open up and the possibilities of restructuring other guys and trying to find a way to keep those guys around. So that's the decision that you kind of have to look at. It's it's Amari Cooper 
or the rest of your receiving core. I mean, that's the thing that's going on. Which one makes you feel better? Because I don't know necessarily which one I would rather want more. I think I'm still leaning Amari Cooper just based on what he could do and potentially uh, trying to go and find a guy in the third or fourth round as a wide receiver or a tight end that could plug in play uh, as a starter moving forward. But man, it, it, when Steven Jones, Jerry Jones talk about tough decisions on the horizon, I don't know if it gets any tougher than what they're going to do with their receiving core, which like you said, has been the strength of this organization the last couple of years. I think it's Simi Fajoko season, isn't it? They only bring him back. Come on now. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Nothing against Simi. I just, I, I mean, if you're going from Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz to Simi Fajoko, I think you're having a little bit of an issue. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Hey, listen, this is uh, this has definitely been a uh, a great conversation. But I want your honest opinion about your act. What is all right, so basically what we've seen on Blogging the Boys, and we'll all be joining uh, RJ Ochoa on Tuesday night on the roundtable uh, to nice. discuss more. Um, but Tell RJ I said hi, by the way. Yeah, definitely, for sure, for sure. He'll be excited <laughs> to see that we had you on. Good. Um, which so I'm, I'm looking at the Cowboys fans and the me members of the media, and there's a lot of like, you know what, I'm not getting duped again. I'm not. I'm, mm. I'm just going to keep my, my expectations low. I'm going to just go into the season, see what happens. And I said the same thing. I said, you know what? The heck with these guys. I can't do this anymore. I've done this for 36 years now. Like this is just yep. over and over and over again. And here I am getting into draft mode, getting into free agency mode. Here <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm getting excited. Where are your expectations for the 2022 Dallas Cowboys? How do you feel? I know there's a lot of decisions to make. So obviously that's going to weigh a big, you know, big on your decision or your feelings. But going in, do you feel like the offseason is going to be good? It's already got off to a pretty rocky start, if you mm -hmm. ask me. But, like, overall, if you think – do you have hope for the Dallas Cowboys in 2022, given the fact that their division is still kind of – the way I see it, I mean, these guys can agree, mm -hmm. it's on lock right now. You know, I don't yeah. feel like anybody's going to give them a run in that division. So we're going to be in the same situation based off their opponents. I feel another 10, 11, 12 win season coming up, right? That's how I see it, mm -hmm. just by default, right? So we're going to be in that situation again where we're in the wild card, either we host or we don't or whatever. Where are your expectations right now heading into the offseason and, and into the new year? I, I think I'm kind of right around there with you. And, and the, the funny thing is, is we say it every year. Oh, I'm not I'm not messing around with these guys again. And then, it, of course, draft season comes up. The schedule comes and gets released in May. And then all of a sudden we're all back there looking at Oxnard. And that's the cycle of an NFL fan in general. And yes, I'm just like everybody else. I grew up a Cowboys fan, born and raised in Waco. I love the Cowboys from the time I was a, a tiny, tiny toddler. I've never seen a Super Bowl title with my own eyes. I was not on the earth the last time the Cowboys won a Super God, Bowl title. I'm old, man. I feel so old. So that's, that's the thing is like I'm right there with you, but I don't think you should temper the expectations because you do still have a core. Even if Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, worst case scenario, aren't available you're going to have a core of guys and you have a quarterback. You've got a defense that's young and hungry and they have their coordinator back. You have an offensive coordinator who has kind of a chip on his shoulder to get the job done again this year and, and to, to, to really improve upon some of the things that he struggled with this season as well. I think there's a way that the Cowboys get back to the spot that they're at but then they have a different mindset. This year, like you said, with it being the division on lock and kind of having the the, the hierarchy of being the Cowboys, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case next year. I think Philadelphia is going to make a run. They have three first-round picks that either they're going to really fill some holes 
and build around Jalen Hurts, or they're going to bundle those things and go get a quarterback, which is even scarier to me, honestly, if you think about the way that, that organization could really turn into a contender in a, in a couple of months as well. So I think Philadelphia is going to be back, and they're going to be uh, uh, certainly a an interesting piece in the NFC East. But I think the Cowboys, like you said, should win the division, should get back at least to the wild card round. But then they've got a different mindset. Instead of going in saying, hey, we think this is going to be special, it's more of a we've got uh, we've got business to take care of. We've got a mindset of we've got unfinished business from this past season that didn't go our way. It's time to get revenge upon what happened a year ago. And I think it'll be a different sort of feeling around that playoff run if that's the case. I'm not saying the Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl and they're going to win it all and it's going to be all this different yada, yada, yada. I'm not even going to say the Super Bowl word at any point throughout this next season at all. You, you just did. You just did. So. Oh, next season. I'm still <laughs> technically talking about 2021. But there's, there's no way I'm even bringing that up the way that you kind of did this year because you felt like it was different. I don't think you're, you can do that again until you see playoff success. And I think it's going to be the same thing in that locker room. I think they have that same mindset of we didn't take care of business. We have to this year. So hopefully they, they fill these roles. However, they decide to uh, in the, in what is a tough free agency situation. But I think in the, in the future, I think you're going to really look at this team going into the next season and, and feel pretty good about what they've put together in terms of roster building again, because like I said, that foundation is there. Now it's just trying to pick and plug where your strengths are going to be. Aiden, you got anything else, bro? Yeah. One last one. Just as three people, I think we all enjoy draft season. We all try and do our research, mm -hmm. but I don't think any of us have time to really like dig in, look at all 300 plus prospects, decide who's, who's the right guy. Give us Except one person. for Kyle. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's why I'm asking you. Give us one person that we might not know of right now, but that you're going to, he's going to be in all your mock drafts that you're really excited about that Ooh. we need to be paying attention to as even if he doesn't go to the Cowboys, who are you excited about with their future that maybe we don't know yet? Uh, I, I mentioned Tyler Linderbaum uh, a little bit earlier. That's the first name that popped to mind when you say all the mock drafts and, and guys that you haven't necessarily heard about. I mean, he's one of the best centers, not only in this draft, but I think over the last couple of drafts. And we saw last year Creed Humphrey came out of Oklahoma and was uh, uh, an absolute star, an all-pro caliber Pro Bowl player for uh, for Kansas City. I think Tyler Linderbaum could certainly be that, whether it's in a Cowboys uniform or it's any other uniform. If he's there at 24, there are very few guys that I would take over him. And the only other guys I would take over him are probably in the top five of the draft anyways. So uh, that's kind of where I, I lean at. I'll give you a late round prospect. I'm trying to think of a name. There's a couple names I've been throwing out there uh, as guys that I, I really could see coming to Dallas. Uh, I really like a guy named MyJ Sanders, edge rusher from Cincinnati. I met him at the Pro Bowl. Really, really solid player, but he's even a, he seems like he's a, a great person as well. I liked his tape a lot out of Cincinnati. He was one of those leaders of a defense that led them to the, the college football playoff, and I think kind of an under-the-radar guy. I think if you're looking in the, the third round for an edge rusher, maybe the Cowboys are if they don't bring back Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory. Keep an eye on, on my Jay Sanders or an Arnold Ebicady from Penn State. 
Uh, there's a couple guys in that third round aspect. That I think it's a deeper edge rusher class than you've had in the past. So I'd say Tyler Linderbaum is my number one, no doubt. Let me stamp it as a, I think this guy is going to be a good player, starter, a pro bowler in the NFL in the future. Hopefully for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, if, if, if you want a late round guy, I'll say my Jay Sanders. Tony. Perfect. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of funny. Aiden kind of stole my thunder there, but I was going <laughs> to, I was going to say, you know, um, we, I, I'm a big fan of the show, uh, the draft show. So is there anybody, and maybe it is Tyler Lindemann, but is there somebody that you're banging on the table? Like Jeff was for sky Moore? Is that somebody that you have in mind like that just yet? Uh, not really. Honestly, I haven't had that that pet cat yet. I thought early on it was going to be Darian Kennard from Kentucky, offensive guard, offensive tackle, really, really good run defender. I would still be cool if the Cowboys took him, let's say, in the second round, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Aiden, with a uh, second-round player for an offensive lineman. If he's that pick in the second round, I'm cool with it. But at 24, I still think it's a little bit rich. I don't have one of those guys yet. I'm still working through all of it. But those pet cats, the uh, usually one's going to pop up. Last year, I want to say one of my pet cats uh, kind of popped up right around, right before the combine, and we leave for the combine a week from today. So uh, I, I think we've got, I've got maybe a week or so until I really start settling in and start finding some of those guys. But I'll definitely report back to you. Sounds good, <laughs> Kyle. Man, we want to thank you for jumping on first and ten on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. It's been a really great show, and of course, we touched on. You know, the the uh, you know, the recent past and the struggles of the Dallas Cowboys. But again, you're leaving us with some optimism here. I needed this. <laughs> this was something this is almost somewhat of a therapy session. Have you? Uh, I think that I needed something like this. Somebody positive reinforcement rather than me just sitting in my own thoughts like this team is never going to do anything good for me for as long as I live. So <laughs> I needed yep. this. So, of course. Thank you so much. And of course, I, I believe there's a congratulations that are in due for you as well is a lifetime achievement award here. Wow. OK, so congratulations, <laughs> obviously, on your engagement, man. That's a, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my fiance is currently napping on the couch about 20 feet from where I'm at right now. So, right. yeah, we'll, we'll take that and run with it. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Uh, so, of and, course. From uh, Dave Sturcio, Aiden Davis, Tony Catalina, and of course, our guest, Kyle Humans. This has been another episode of the First and Ten Podcast right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. And we'll see you guys next week.